Hello, and welcome to Getting It Done, a podcast about music, education, and life lessons. I'm your host, Tim Rausenberger, and today is Saturday, February 17th, 2018. This is episode 241, The Reality of Oboes and Bassoons Below the High School Level. I want to preface today's episode by saying that I love the sounds of the oboe and the bassoon. I say that with no sarcasm, and I have a great appreciation for people who play those instruments well. I've been fortunate enough over the course of my career to have some fine double reed players, one of whom even right now has been consistently competing at the all-state level, and he's been doing an amazing job in my private studio. With that said, I had a fascinating conversation with one of my former colleagues many years ago on this very topic, oboes and bassoons. Because I noticed, having worked in my school district for quite some time, I didn't see many. As a matter of fact, there were years in which oboes and bassoons were completely and absolutely non-existent at the elementary and middle school levels in certain grades. And it made me wonder... Why? Now, I know part of the reason I did take those instruments in college, and I can absolutely say that they're very difficult to play. One of my former college instructors said it best about the bassoon. He said, any instrument in which the thumb has to go in a gazillion different places is an instrument that has issues or something that I don't want to play or something along those lines. It was really funny the way that he used to deliver that line. And he he said it more than once and just like an episode out of The Honeymooners, it never got old whenever he said it. But the oboe and the bassoon, let's get past the fact that they're difficult to play. Let's get past the fact that they're expensive. They're really expensive. You can rent an oboe, and they're going to charge you a mint at most music stores to do so. But good luck trying to find stores that are going to rent you a bassoon. If you are a new director, if you're someone who is a recent college graduate and no one ever explained to you the reasons why certain instruments are not rented, bassoons and tubas come to mind immediately, 
is that it's not cost effective for the store that's renting the instrument. First of all, they have to rent the instrument itself. Then they're going to give you the rental fee, whatever that amount's going to be. And if you're dealing with common instruments, the flutes, the clarinets, the trumpets, these are instruments that are, they're, it's not just that they're cheaper in terms of cost, it's that they are able to be repaired and any type of maintenance that needs to be done, any repair person is able to do that maintenance and usually able to do it quickly, which is the cost-effective side of things. I have met many a repair person, and these are fine people, people that excel on woodwinds especially, who simply do not enjoy working on oboes and bassoons. Admittedly, they can do it, but they don't enjoy doing it. Now, this is not everyone. There are plenty of qualified and amazing repair people out there. The point is that when something's not a cost effective for a music store and they can't keep the in, an instrument, for instance, that's new and playing like it's new for an extended period of time. In other words, instrument is rented for a year, person decides not to continue, they return it, and then the next person rents that same instrument, but you're able to maintain it in such a way that you can advertise it as being like new because, well, it is. And you've maintained it up to the standards of being practically a new instrument. The oboe and the bassoon, because they simply don't work on those instruments as frequently, just takes a little more time. When some techs takes more time. So that explains that side of things in terms of the, the entire rental process. Simply getting a hold of the instruments is a challenge in and of itself. Sure, we'd all love to have more low reeds and low brass in our bands. We need them. But <laughs> the reality is they're expensive. They're pricey instruments. And obviously they're not always the most popular instruments. But the, the, the title of the podcast is where things are gonna get really interesting because I talk about the reality of them below the high school level. Now I know there are gonna be double read players who are gonna to listen to this podcast and are going to get aggravated, and they're going to be irritated, and they're going to say this person doesn't know what he's talking about, even though he's been doing this for over 20 years, and has been involved with many a wonderful elementary and middle school band. Not only the ones that I've necessarily conducted, but the ones that have been conducted by my colleagues. I can tell you, without a shadow of a doubt. And this has been echoed in every single district where I've worked over the years. 
you can absolutely program music for your ensemble that simply does not rely, does not depend on the oboe or the bassoon. Simply put, you don't need them. Now, I know that there are people that aren't going to like to hear that, but you don't. You don't need them. And the, the, the many issues that come up with those instruments, the learning curve on both instruments, it's usually, it's usually a lot longer. And it has to do with the reeds. It has to do with intonation, which is the biggest one. I mean, if you purchase a beginner level bassoon, if you even want to call it that, we can probably just call it an entry level bassoon, you are absolutely not paying any less than three grand unless you get really, really lucky. You're not paying less than that. And I know this because there was a student we had uh, about 10 years ago who desperately, desperately wanted to play the bassoon. He had been an oboe player and wanted to play the bassoon. Ironically enough, the middle school band director who had been there for well over 25 years didn't even have a bassoon in the inventory. We had bassoons at the high school, but we didn't have one in the middle school inventory. And our budget, which had been steadily dropping over the years, we took a look and we said, well, if we're going to purchase this bassoon, we're not going to be able to purchase a lot of other things for the rest of the year because that bassoon cost us nearly $4,000 because we, we weren't going to settle for trash. If you're going to buy the instrument, you make sure you buy a quality instrument. You don't buy a piece of garbage that's going to cost $1,000 and it's going to be in the, re uh, you know, the repair shop 12 times in the first three years. That's just bad on every single level. How, how else can you say it? It's, it's a terrible, terrible approach in terms of uh, the student losing interest and the, the, the money in the end, you're probably gonna wind up paying what the, the new instrument would have cost or like new one would have cost from the start. A quality one that is. So we got the student the instrument. Well, the student played the instrument for about a year and a half and then he quit. He didn't like it. And it wasn't because we didn't provide him the, the best possible instruction, he just didn't like the instrument. We wound up stuck with this bassoon, which was never played by anyone ever again. Now, at the high school level, we always had bassoons. Most of them weren't great, but truth be told, a lot of them, their heart was not in it. Now, again, I could hear the devil's advocates. Well, maybe you haven't had an oboe player coming in to model the instrument or a bassoon player. Okay, I can see some validity in that argument. I, I get it. But I can tell you this. If you are having an issue trying to get students 
to play the oboe or the bassoon, trying to acquire an oboe or bassoon, trying to do anything you can to have those two instruments in your band, my advice would simply be this. If you don't have students who are passionate and really want to play those instruments, I mean, their heart really needs to be into it. And I'm talking about, yes, a fifth grader, a sixth grader, a seventh grader, an eighth grader who knows that that's the instrument they want to play. If their heart is not into it, because there are not going to be 12 other people in their section, of whom two or three might be friends of theirs, who in the times where they are thinking about quitting or just not continuing for whatever reason, which happens on the other instruments, by the way, and you should know that as well, because it always happens with students, even students who are who play instruments well have moments where they consider not continuing because other interests come along. Life happens and they need to make the decision. Am I going to play football? Am I going to play the trumpet? Am I going to play soccer? Am I going to play flute? Am I going to join the debate club or am I going to continue playing the clarinet? You might have situations in your district where that's the case. And it's beyond scheduling issues. It's time issues. So unless you have people who are going to be all in on those instruments, my strongest suggestion would be this. Put your eggs into the basket of the other instruments in your program. When that student comes along who really wants to play those instruments and you don't feel comfortable teaching those instruments because maybe you don't play them well, I would like to assume that you know other things about the instrument because we all had to be certified, but let's say that you don't feel comfortable necessarily modeling those instruments, then maybe you can find someone in the community who'd be willing to help. Because one thing about the music community is you're always going to find someone out there. It may not be the best instructor, but it might just be a, a kind person. You're always going to find someone out there who is passionate about music and is willing to help a school, is willing to help a teacher, more importantly, and most importantly, willing to help a student who is willing to learn. So with that, I say to you, I love the oboe, I love the bassoon, you cannot do bursus from the Firebird, of Stravinsky without a bassoon player. Don't do it having a, a tenor sax playing the part that does a complete injustice to the piece. And don't do pieces of music where we clearly know, uh, for instance, the oboe solo that opens up uh, the Danz Bacchanal 
by Camille Sassons. I mean, don't do it. Don't have other instruments playing it. What I would say, though, is that you can find so much repertoire that does not focus around the oboe and the bassoon in the elementary and middle school bands and even orchestras. And you'll be just fine. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. Please share the episode with others, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Podchaser, and hopefully one day we'll make it onto Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. And in the words of P.D. Kubach and Peter Shipley, lip my reads.